MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 10th, 2021. Today, four key witnesses testified before the 1-6 committee. New York Attorney General Tish James withdraws from the New York governor's race and subpoenas Donald Trump for deposition in her civil fraud case. Both Josh Duggar and Jesse Smollett are convicted in their respective trials. A PDF of a 35-page PowerPoint outlining the coup was released this morning. Unemployment claims dropped to their lowest since 1969, and Donald loses again. This time, the appeals court for the District of Columbia rules against his privilege claims in the National Archives case. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Well, remember Monday when I said... We had a Friday news dump on a Monday. What's it going to be like later in the week? Well, we're getting a taste of that. We had a huge, massive news day. It's still not over. I'm a little bit scared of what's going to come out later tonight. And who knows what will come out tomorrow that we will be discussing on Monday's Beans. Such a huge news day. Later, I will be joined by my friend Mary Trump to discuss her new podcast, The Mary Trump Show. This weekend, for the Mueller She Wrote podcast, I will be talking to Jill Winebanks, author of The Watergate Girl. We're going to be talking about Mark Meadows and a piece she wrote that his lawsuit about his lawsuit just is going to go nowhere. And we have three episodes left in the MSW Book Club series on Here Right Matters by Alexander Vinman, who will join me to answer patrons questions for the show on December 26th. You can submit your questions now on patreon.com slash Muller, she wrote. All right. We have a ton of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The January 6th committee is, quote, firing on all cylinders, according to Liz Cheney, who tweeted out today, quote, the committee has already met with nearly 300 witnesses. We hear from four more key figures in the investigation today. We are conducting multiple depositions and interviews every week. We have received exceptionally interesting and important documents from a number of witnesses, including Mark Meadows. He has turned over many texts from his private cell phone from January 6th. We have litigated and won Trump's executive privilege case in federal district court. The federal appellate court has expanded the appeal. And we anticipate a ruling regarding many more Trump White House documents soon. The investigation is firing on all cylinders. And today, the committee deposed Chris Krebs, National Security Advisor, Kosh Patel, remember him, uh, Ali Alexander, who also served, who served a civil suit when he was walking out of his day-long testimony. And John Eastman, the author of the six-point plot to overthrow the government by having Jeffrey Clark write letters to key swing states telling them their elections were corrupt per the Department of Justice and to please send alternate slates of fraudulent electors. That would allow Pence to throw those electors out in multiple swing states, and that would put the election, send it over to the House of Representatives, where Republicans actually have a larger number of delegations who would then declare Donald Trump the president. That plan was repeated today in greater detail with the release of a 35-page PowerPoint presentation in PDF format that was created as a PDF January 12th, according to the metadata, which is six days after the insurrection, but was also released on social media by several Trump allies as early as January 5th. The PowerPoint outlines the same Pence stuff about throwing out electors that the Eastman memo outlines. 
It also recommends declaring martial law, national emergency, and having the National Guard seize ballots and voting machines in all 50 states to count them by hand and to set up secure perimeters and to only count the paper ballots, throwing out everything else. Meadows is likely hoping for an amplification of the big lie when the mainstream media gets a hold of it. That's according to the Daily Kos. However, as the metadata suggests, they continue, quote, the truly incriminating portions may have been scrummed from the original. Two slides could even be missing. Now, we don't know that. We haven't confirmed that, and nor have we confirmed of this public PDF of the PowerPoint is the same one the January 6th committee has from Mark Meadows, because there's a two-page discrepancy. Maybe. They could be two different documents. Unlikely. But we have to leave that open until we know more. Rolling Stone wrote today, quote, the PowerPoint presentation, which spanned 38 pages and was titled Election Fraud, Foreign Interference and Options for 6 Jan, was part of an email sent on January 5th, the day before the attack on the Capitol. The email pertained to a briefing that was provided on the Hill. Rolling Stone continues to say Hugo Lowell of The Guardian tweeted slides from the presentation on Thursday detailing a conspiracy theory laden plan for Vice President Pence to install Republican electors in states, quote, where fraud occurred and for Trump to declare a national emergency, and for all electronic voting to be rendered invalid, citing foreign control of electronic voting systems from China. The release by the PowerPoint slides laying out options to overthrow democracy comes a day after the 1-6 committee noted in a letter to Mark Meadows' attorney that Meadows had provided text messages in which he discussed highly controversial plans to overturn the election results by appointing alternate electors in certain states. I love it, Meadows replied, which was sent to him by a lawmaker, that letter. Meadows discussed the same plan, which was described as a direct and collateral attack in a separate email. So he sent it on to somebody. The letter referenced the PowerPoint presentation as well. But again, we don't know if it's this specific one that we got publicly today or if it's the same one. And, it, you know, as, as we said, there's no details of its contents in that particular text message exchange. The letter sent Wednesday, which was addressed to Meadows' attorney, explained the committee had no choice but to hold Meadows in contempt of Congress for his refusal to comply with his subpoena. The 1-6 committee has scheduled that contempt vote to refer Meadows to the Department of Justice on Monday. If the ban in timeline is any indication, the Rules Committee and Full House could vote to send the referral to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office by Friday. We'll see what happens there. I would expect that this particular indictment, it could take longer than the ban in indictment because Meadows is a more complex case. He has a better claim to executive privilege, albeit none, really. And we'll talk with Joel Weinbanks about that on Sunday's Mueller, she wrote. But it's a more complex case to, to you know, to prepare for. You have to prepare for the defense. And, and there's probably going to be a, a more robust defense in this particular case. I know it seems open and shut, but it's, it's simply not. Although the ban and indictment could have taken 22 days because the D.C. U.S. attorney, the new one Biden appointed, didn't get there until seven days before the indictment happened. And they were also maybe waiting for Judge Chutkin's ruling in the uh, National Archives case, which I'll go over a little bit because the appellate court came back with a decision. So I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. So there's so many variables. We can't know how long this will take. With the Bannon case, we didn't know anything about it. The DOJ operated very silently. They had a grand jury. They called witnesses or witness. I don't know how many. They also got witness testimony to law enforcement, which is interesting. If law enforcement's involved, that means the DOJ is investigating. And uh, they also had over a thousand pages of evidence. So it's not as 
open and shut as, as it might seem if you want to win the case, which we do. Losing would be very bad. And a little bit more on the 1-6 committee and their quest to get those documents. As, as I said, we know Trump filed a lawsuit. Judge Chutkin in the D.C. Circuit Court ruled in favor of the Department of Justice, the Biden administration, the House, Doug Letter, and the National Archives, shortly after which Bannon was indicted for criminal contempt after arguing for executive privilege. And then, of course, Donald appealed Judge Chutkin's decision. The federal appellate court ruled Thursday that former President Donald Trump cannot prevent the House January 6th committee from getting hundreds of documents created while he was in the White House. The three-judge panel at the U.S. Court of Appeals two-to-one voted in the District of Columbia. They ruled that although Trump retained some authority to claim executive privilege, it was not strong enough to overcome Joe Biden's decision that Congress had a legitimate need for the material. Quote, the executive privilege for presidential communications is a qualified one that Mr. Trump agrees must give way when necessary to protect overriding interests. The president and the legislative branch have shown a national interest in and pressing deed for the prompt disclosure of these documents. That's Judge Patricia Millett. Trump's lawyers will now likely file an emergency appeal with the Supreme Court. The court put a 14-day hold on its own ruling to give his lawyers time to pursue an appeal. He's got 14 days to appeal. That's what that says. The appeals court says Trump could not show any specific harm he would suffer from the disclosure of the documents. Millett closed her ruling by quoting Benjamin Franklin's words that we have a republic if we can keep it. Quote, the events of January 6th exposed the fragility of those democratic institutions and traditions that we had perhaps come to take for granted. In response, the president of the United States and Congress have each made the judgment that access to this subset of presidential communication records is necessary to address a matter of great constitutional moment for the republic. Lawyers for the House have said the January 6th committee needs the records to complete thorough investigations into how the actions of the former president, his advisors, and other government officials may have contributed to the attack on Congress to impede the peaceful transfer of presidential power. Judge Patricia Millett went on to say the committee is investigating a singular event in this nation's history in which there is sufficient factual predicate for inferring that former President Trump and his advisors played a material relevant role. And if a federal judge says there is sufficient factual predicate. And if you remember when we had back in the day, back in the kitchen days, and we're going over uh, Andrew McCabe's book, The Threat, talking about how they were able to open the investigation into the Trump campaign and Russia contacts called Crossfire Hurricane. They said, hey, we had a sufficient factual predicate to open that investigation. And if we have sufficient factual predicate and we don't investigate, we're derelict in our duty. So this is basically the judge telling the Department of Justice There is sufficient factual predicate that Trump and his advisors played a role in a singular event in in our nation's history. So I think that that's very interesting that she used the the phrase sufficient factual predicate. Now, this decision seems to tee up a favorable opinion from the Supreme Court, like they're kind of lobbing a softball at the Supreme Court because they didn't go so much into privilege. And should the Supreme Court decide to even weigh in? The appellate judges have made this about the power of the executive and the current president wielding control over executive privilege. And the judiciary shouldn't overstep that because then they would be overstepping the power of the executive. That's kind of the stuff Kavanaugh and Gorsuch are really into. So I imagine the judges focused on that argument deliberately in the appellate court when they teed it up. Quote, former President Trump has given this court no legal reason to cast aside President Biden's assessment. That's Millet again. Trump's lawyers could now ask the full D.C. Court of Appeals to hear the case, but they indicated during courtroom arguments before the three-judge panel their next step is SCOTUS. 
in the event that the panel ruled against them, which they did. Now, this case only deals with documents sought by the committee, not with the issue of whether former Trump administration officials can assert executive privilege in refusing to answer questions to the committee. And so I think that that's an interesting point there. I thought maybe they were waiting with the Bannon thing, but Bannon also refused to hand over documents claiming, and he doesn't have any claim to executive privilege. And to make Donald's Thursday just a little bit shittier and our Thursday just a little bit better, New York Attorney General Tish James is seeking to question Donald under oath in a civil fraud investigation. That's according to two people with knowledge of the matter. An unusual move that comes at a critical juncture in the parallel criminal investigation by Cy Vance. Miss James, whose office is participating with the criminal investigation run by the Manhattan District Attorney, wants to question Mr. Trump on January 7th as part of her separate civil inquiry into his business practices. If Miss James finds evidence of wrongdoing in the civil inquiry, she could file a lawsuit against Mr. Trump, but she can't file criminal charges. Her request comes as Cy Vance is pushing to determine whether Trump or his businesses or the Trump organization engaged in criminal fraud by intentionally submitting false property values to potential lenders and tax folks. And Mr. Vance, a Democrat, did not seek re-election and is leaving office at the end of the year. He'll be succeeded by Alvin Bragg, a former federal prosecutor who was elected in November. And because the two investigations overlap, both James and Vance have been focused on whether Trump inflated his property values to secure financing and their offices are working together on the criminal inquiry. Trump could refuse to sit for a deposition once James formally subpoenas him. Ronald Fischetti, a lawyer for Trump, said in a brief interview on Thursday that he would ask a judge to quash the subpoena. He's likely to argue that Trump's testimony could be unfairly used against him in the criminal investigation, violating the constitutional right against self-incrimination. If a judge sided with James, Mr. Trump could invoke his Fifth Amendment right and decline to respond to questions. I'd bank on that. Still, while that decision could not be used against Mr. Trump in the criminal investigation, it might harm him in Ms. James' civil inquiry as well. Jurors are barred from inferring anything from a defendant's refusal to testify in a criminal case, but the same is not true in a civil inquiry, where Mr. Trump's silence could be used against him. News of this move came just hours before Tish James, a Democrat who announced a run for governor in New York, said she would instead seek re-election as state attorney general. Quote, I've come to the conclusion I must continue my work as attorney general. There are a number of important investigations and cases that are underway. I intend to finish the job. Danny Frost, a spokesman for Mr. Vance, said that Ms. James's request was not part of the criminal investigation that Vance is doing. He declined to elaborate and would not say whether Ms. James's office had notified Mr. Vance's prosecutors about the request to question Trump. And if you're wondering why Vance hasn't dragged Trump to testify in front of a special grand jury, the one that he's got, the one that he's added, he did another six-month grand jury, in November when the first six-month grand jury expired. The reason he hasn't brought Trump in is because in New York State, and we've talked about this here on this show, you get immunity if you testify to a grand jury, unless you waive immunity. So they don't really bring targets in to sit for testimony very often, and I doubt Trump would waive immunity to answer questions in a private setting where there were no cameras. And Josh Duggar, one-time star of the TLC reality show 19 Kids and Counting, about a large family guided by conservative Christian values, was convicted on Thursday in federal court in Arkansas of downloading child sexual abuse imagery. A jury returned the verdict in the U.S. District Court in Fayetteville, Arkansas, one day after it began its deliberations in a case that drew widespread attention. Duggar, 33, was found guilty on one count of receiving child pornography and one count of possessing child pornography, each which carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. 
Clay Folks, the U.S. attorney for the Western District of Arkansas, said in an interview on Thursday, the verdict was a significant milestone in the efforts of his office to combat the exploitation and abuse of children. And in other court news today, actor Jesse Smollett was found guilty Thursday on five of six felony counts of disorderly conduct for making a false report to Chicago police that he was the victim of a hate crime in January of 2019, an attack prosecutors said he staged. A jury of six men and six women deliberated for more than nine hours over Wednesday and Thursday. Smollett appeared rigid after the verdict was read in court late in the afternoon. He did not move and was seen gazing straight ahead. His fingers were interlaced and his hands were on the table. He didn't look at his family or the judge, instead focusing his direction on the jury. A disorderly conduct charge for false crime report is a class four felony and uh, punishable by up to three years in prison and a $25,000 fine. Cook County Judge James Lynn will have discretion in imposing a concurrent or consecutive sentence for each count at a later date. And finally, weekly claims for unemployment benefits dropped to a new multi-decade low last week. That's according to the Labor Department. At 184,000 claims adjusted for seasonal swings, it was the lowest level of initial claims since September 1969, when figures stood at 182,000. All right, stick around. Up next is the author of The Reckoning, and too much and never enough, host of her own brand new podcast, proud to call her my friend. It's Mary Trump. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And today's episode of The Beans is sponsored by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never ending cycle of debt because those interest rates are so high. You make the minimum payments. It can take you half your adult life to pay them off. With Upstart, though, you can pay off your debt quickly and easily and start living your life. It's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan with Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high interest debt, pay off credit cards, and even fund personal expenses with one low fixed monthly payment. Because the thing is, Upstart doesn't just look at your credit score. They look at your credit history and they look at your employment history and your income and they can find you a better loan rate with their trusted partners. And you can check your rate for free in minutes without impacting your credit score. It's a soft pull for loans between one to $50,000. And you can receive your funds in as fast as one business day if your loan is accepted. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Your loan amount will be determined based on your credit, income, and other certain information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by Hunter Douglas. Um, They can help you live an amazing life in your home with innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, control systems that are so advanced. You can schedule them to automatically adjust uh, throughout the day to their optimal position. It's amazing. You'll love the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight and cast a glow across your room. You can enjoy the view outside while protecting your privacy inside. And the superior insulation keeps you warmer in winter, cooler in the summer, and helps take some of the burden off of utility grids. Then there's that Goldilocks moment that you get from Hunter Douglas when you just walk into a room and it just feels awesome. And when you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition uh, for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. I know you'll love the way your home looks and feels with Hunter Douglas, so live beautifully, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. And visit HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans today for your free Style Get Smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash DailyBeans for your free design guide. Everybody, welcome back. We have a wonderful Friday surprise. My friend is here to talk about not only her book, The Reckoning, but her new podcast called The Mary Trump Show. Mary Trump. Hello. 
Hey. Hello. I hear I hear Sebastian in the background. He's like three rooms away, so you can imagine how loud it would be if you were actually in the same room with us. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you today because you just released the first episode of your new podcast, and I would like you to tell us a little bit about it because it's absolutely wonderful. Thank you. And I, you know, as always, I I so appreciate your having me on to talk about my stuff and, you know, because in, in the spirit of all pulling together, you know, and I, I think the more voices we add and the more different people we interview, the better off we're all going to be. So uh, it's kind of in that spirit, you know, pulling together and, and, and just adding, not competing with all of the other great podcasters and activists and believers in democracy out there like you. So, uh, you know, it's something I thought about doing. I've thought about doing for a while. And finally, everything just kind of fell into place. And what I wanted to do was kind of start off every episode with uh, the, the main thing that was on my mind that particular week. And this week, it it was, you know, just the the virulent anger on the right and trying to make sense of it and, and essentially coming down on the fact that we're the ones that on the left who should be angry and, um, you know, why that is and what we can do uh, to keep it from burning us out, you know, what we can do to, to channel it and, and help it motivate us and maybe be even more productive. And then like you, I'm going to have on awesome guests every week. And my first guest was the amazing Molly Jong Faust, mm-hmm. who uh, has the new Abnormal podcast and a new newsletter called Wait What? And we had a very wide ranging conversation about, uh, I, I think one of the first things I said to her is like, is it is it me? Or does it really, is it really the case that every week there's more news and it's worse than it was the week before? I, is, is that your sense? I mean, it, it it's maddening. It, it is. And I, I've brought this up Monday and it seems to be getting louder and louder. But Monday was a was a huge, huge news day. There was so much news. And I was like, if this is a Monday, what is Friday going to look like? And here we are on Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday. And the I'm not even going to be able to pack all the headlines into less than a one minute intro just from today alone. I mean, breaking right now. Your uncle lost his case to keep the National Archives documents away from the January 6th committee. We've got Meadows in contempt. Cash Patel is and John Eastman are supposed to appear today along with a couple other people. All this Mark Meadows PowerPoint coup. Yeah, I mean, just one thing after another. It's a, it's almost an avalanche of information. And we're still months away from public hearings. <laughs> so and months away from Bannon going in front of a judge, you know, it's, it, we do not have all of the time in the world. I don't understand the lack of urgency. I also don't, and this is a larger question and it's a question you might be more qualified to ask, answer than I, but I think we, we would need somebody like, you know, Joyce Vance or Jamie Raskin to answer it. Um, Why isn't there a process to expedite cases that involve government officials? I don't get it. Hmm. Why, you know, otherwise they're just running out the clock. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, a, just simply another argument for expanding the federal bench, let alone the Supreme Court. But the federal bench, I mean, we, we have 700 defendants, capital riot defendants and COVID 
to contend with. The first available date to hear a misdemeanor charge that could result in maybe 30 days in jail isn't wasn't available until April. And we know the judge, you know, Bannon asked for October. The judge split the difference. And generally, judges tend to do that so that their rulings aren't overturnable. Like they show that they've given deference to criminal defendants, which we usually celebrate in this country. But it's ridiculous. And and you're right. Although I, I Adam Schiff did give me a little bit of hope when he was like, look, it's not about when he goes to trial for this, for skipping out in the subpoena. It's that we indicted him. Yep. That had an impact. And whether he spends 30 days in jail in August or 30 days in jail in, you know, September, he's still going to be out after that, spreading his lies again. We need to have the Department of Justice investigating him for his role in the insurrection, for his actual huge crimes, not for his failure to appear to address them. Do you know what I mean? I know you know what I mean. I, I do indeed. Yeah, it, I guess the the conundrum is on the one hand that I think for a lot of people, the nuances get lost, not just in the avalanche of news, but there also seems to be on an almost daily basis, one story that's just a gut punch. You know, whether it's SB8 in Texas or the the school shooting at Oxford. Yeah. You know, there's always one thing that may not in the long run be the most consequential thing, but it's certainly the most like it's it's deeply important that we're still letting our children be murdered on an almost daily basis. It. Well, I and I, I think both things actually do have enormous consequences. But there was uh, something today. I guess uh, the New York AG Letitia James is pursuing more charges against Donald in terms of in the fraud case, and uh, you know she's looking into it, and that to me, I guess you could say on the one hand, okay, that's good news. But uh, and and Jen Taub, our friend, legal scholar, posted that on Twitter that that was happening. You know they're seeking another whatever they're seeking. So my response, they're, yeah, they're, they've subpoenaed him to be deposed right. for the civil the civil suit. Yeah, because they're did. seeking information about one other aspect of this thing, and I'm like, lots of seeking going on and not very much finding. Um, so. At the end of the day, just it does feel a little bit demoralizing. Like, okay, great. We're going to keep looking and looking and looking, but there has to be, there has to be an endpoint where something gets resolved, right? So, right? Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. And on its face, it's like they're, the committee's considering this. They're going to subpoena this. They're going to do that. And on its face, it's like, oh, get on with it. But, you know, on the, you're right with the nuances, right? Because on the other hand, if you've gotten to Donald Trump in that fraud investigation for your civil suit, you're at the end and you have all the evidence. Mm-hmm. And that testimony is really just icing. But again, you're not at the end where we're seeing anything. Any, and she can't indict anybody. Right? right. But this could be shared with the D.A. And then you hear, well, the D.A. hasn't pulled him into the grand jury yet. And then you have to explain, well, if you pull somebody into the grand jury in New York, they get immunity. So you don't pull anyone into the grand jury in New York. They're, they're the targets. Oh, OK. And there's you know, it's everything is in the details. And that's the problem with being on the right side. And, you know, I've said for so long, you can't fit the Mueller report on a bumper sticker. We tried, but you, you cannot. 
it looked like a barcode. <laughs> so, or, or or it was a bumper sticker for an 18 wheeler. There you go. That's, that's and it went along the side it. of the truck. Yeah. Uh, it's We put it on Elon's space penis <laughs> and we shot it in this. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that and the psychological aspects of the spectrum of between blind faith and total despair and how that leads to burnout, because this is a huge conversation going on in our country right now. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure, of course. Thanks. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. And this portion of the show is brought to you by BetterHelp. They bring you professional online counseling whenever you need it the most. And we could all use some support in life. We don't have to do these things alone especially when it comes to mental health. In my experience with PTSD, it's it's hard to ask for help. It really is. But BetterHelp makes it easy and convenient for you to do that. And you can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world, get timely responses. You can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. It's way more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And they actually have financial aid available. And uh, if you want to make sure you have that great therapeutic match, it's easy and free to change your counselor anytime with BetterHelp. So visit their website, and read some testimonials like this one by K.A., who says, Dr. Dahlberg has helped me improve my mental health significantly in the past several months. My depression and anxiety have lessened. With her guidance, I'm thinking more clearly and making decisions which put my well-being first. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Daily Beans. And you can join the over one million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced licensed professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Monk Pack. If you're looking for a delicious, healthy snack that's actually satisfying, I have a great recommendation for you. They're the Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars. They taste amazing. They contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories each. They're gluten-free and grain-free. They're plant-based, no GMOs, no soys, trans fats, sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. And you don't have to be keto to love these. I'm paleo, but I love them anyway. They're just a delicious, healthy snack. You know, I've been trying to eat better, and these are amazing. And the Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla. I put them in my fanny pack when I'm walking around so I can get a quick bite if my blood sugar gets low. And they're amazing. My favorite right now is peanut butter. The chewy texture is delicious. There's no high-intensity sweeteners, no weird aftertaste. You have to give it a try. We have a special deal for you. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, just go to monkpack.com, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, select any product, enter code DAILYBEANS at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with the host of The Mary Trump Show, which I can now proudly say, my friend Mary Trump. And before the break, I brought up this sort of duality that people seem to be living in right now, which is either blind faith that the DOJ is doing everything right and we just can't hear about it and everything's great and total despair. Nothing's ever going to happen. We're doomed. You know, I'm moving to Ireland. And so most of us are somewhere in the middle or we vacillate back and forth Mm -hmm. as news stories happen or as we're moved by the news or, or, or news stories. I, for one, continually defend the Department of Justice while also criticizing them for certain things. For example, why didn't the the U.S. attorney in D.C. come out to a podium and give a press conference that Bannon had been indicted and tell us about the evidence against him and tell us about the next steps like like they do with most indictments? Right. Like or at least put it up on the, you know, 
Anyway, a presser would have gone a long way, even just for that. So that's just one of many criticisms. Why haven't they gone after obstruction of justice? Why, you know, things that are there on a silver platter. He admitted on Fox News on Sunday, I think, that he fired Comey. And if he hadn't, he wouldn't have been in in the White House anymore. And that's part of the Comey obstruction of justice. So where is that, you know? So I have a lot of criticism about the E. Jean Carroll case. I have a lot of criticisms about Department of Justice. But I also there's I think there's a difference between constructive and legitimate criticism and, and you know, outrage that that moves the needle and just all out despair, which Adam Schiff said in Midnight in Washington, we can't afford the luxury of despair. Mm-hmm. He, he called it a luxury. Mm-hmm. And this vacillation and either being on one side or the other can definitely lead to burnout and it can impact the polls. It can impact voters. How do we walk that line holding multiple thoughts in our heads about our institutions? It's a very good question. Um, Kind of complicated answer in terms of DOJ. I just want to talk briefly about how I approach the Biden administration specifically. I will never criticize President Biden ever because not not to be partisan I'm not blind nobody you know no administration is perfect the reason is the media is doing such a horrific job of being balanced and neutral and the the idea that they could paint this administration as a fucking disaster when they've accomplished what they've accomplished after being handed what has to be the worst hand dealt, the worst hand in modern history, is mind-blowing to me. So um, I think the only time I criticized them, I was quite upset when both Biden and Vice President Harris said that the United States was not a racist country. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that, although I understand why they need to say that at this point. However, I'm, I, you know, I'm just not criticizing because the the disparity between coverage of him and coverage of Donald is so it's absurd and dangerous at the same time right yeah. well they lost their cash cow when well yeah too <laughs> bad Donald and, left office you know news didn't used to be entertainment it used to be Walter Cronkite sitting in a chair every day every night telling us what happened in the world that matters to our lives not trying to get clicks right so uh, the DOJ is slightly different issue because there is a lot to criticize that does impact not just our day-to-day lives, but it impacts what could conceivably happen in 2022 and 2024. I am ne- I never, ever come down on the side of total despair. I think it's, um, I think it's self-indulgent and completely unproductive and it you know it's useless right and i i get it but what i would say is if you're if you are suffering from complete despair and hopelessness you're not paying attention the united states grabbed the grabbed democracy from the jaws of autocracy in november 2020 I think a lot of this despair people are feeling is based on the unrealistic expectation most of us had that a Biden win would change, would save us, you know, that would solve everything and it would all go back to normal, whatever that means. 
It didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen. But I think that the fact that that expectation wasn't met really made people feel like the rug had been pulled out from under them. So they need to, if they need to check out and regroup, fine. But if you're feeling that way, just keep it to yourself, please, because it doesn't help anybody. And I feel the same way about the opposite end of that spectrum. There's nothing, there's no reason to be blindly based on the, the quite serious missteps uh, or misjudgments Garland has made. There's no reason to be completely blind and, and, and confident that of course he'll do the right thing in the end because he, he's done the absolutely wrong thing in many cases. You know, the, the case with E.G. comes immediately to mind. The fact that Garland, and I understand that there's a legal reason, but he could have made the opposite argument, right? I've talked to enough lawyers to know that Garland did not have to decide to continue to represent Donald Trump using taxpayer dollars against a, a private citizen he defamed because of a crime that was committed 20 years before he was in the Oval Office. And there are other things, of course, but those misjudgments have nothing to do with the things we need him to be doing that we don't know anything about. We need to separate it out. Just because he made that terrible decision doesn't mean he's going to continue to make terrible decisions. The Civil Rights Division, the DOJ, has done some really good work. And, you know, they are making inroads, or at least they're they're taking the cases against voter suppression and racist gerrymandering and stuff like that. So we we kind of have to develop the ability to be patient as sick as of us are, uh, you know, we are of having to be patient and realize that we have 11 months until 2022, which is a very short period of time, but it's not nothing. So to, to give up now means that you're squandering the last, potentially the last chance we have to turn this thing around. And if you're just sort of wildly, blindly optimistic that you don't need to do anything because, you know, Garland's going to take care of everything. Um, how did that work out with Mueller? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, but let me tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Please do. No, I, we all know. Although, had he not done things the way he did, we wouldn't have obstruction of justice charges on a silver platter for the D.C. U.S. attorney to charge, which is why I'm so mad that he's not doing anything. I totally uh, but- agree. I totally agree. And the problem, though, is because... And I, this might be another reason that people feel so defeated. Because as much as has been done, as much as has been found out, as much evidence there is of, of criminal wrongdoing and unconstitutional behavior and treason and traitor, blah, blah, blah. It's never enough. You know, it's the same situation when in order to win 50 percent of like a state legislature, Democrats need to get like 70 percent of the vote. You know, we have a Mm -hmm. Senate divided 50 50 by seats. Democrats represent 41 million more citizens. So our power is always being is always diluted. Yeah. And, and, you know, people ought to think about the fact that we might end up with a Mueller situation, because what happened in the Mueller investigation behind closed doors, lies, fake cooperations, 
pleading the fifth, delay, deny, shirking subpoenas, not answering, not not being subpoenaed, your uncle only taking written questions, not taking written follow up questions. That's all obstructing this investigation. It prevented Mueller from being able to prove a conspiracy Mm -hmm. with the Russian government. We didn't see all that, all those mechanics going on behind the scenes because it was very closed door and hush hush. We are seeing it live and in front of our faces with the January 6th committee. And if we don't get enough evidence to criminally prosecute, we might end up with public hearings and another Mueller. Right. Right. If you know what I'm saying. I do. And and that is. I don't know how to fix that and I don't know how to address that. I just want to prep people for that potential reality. But I think if you've been traumatized, which we all have, I think you're more prone to respond to anger and fear than you are to respond to hopeful messages or at least me as a, as a traumatized person, you know, from, from way back, way before the insurrection. And so that's, that's my concern is that the people who staged the coup will take advantage of the trauma that they've caused to sow more fear and despair. And I, and I, I'm very saddened to see it being picked up by Democrats, by, by the left, people on the left and independents as well. Uh, not picked up, but just succumbing to it. It's like the swamp of sadness. Remember the old never ending story? Like pulling our tack out of the swamp. And I, and I, and I, I'm not sure how to combat that uh, other than just to, to offer my understanding of that feeling, but to, to reiterate the importance of, of trying to, to defy it. Yeah. It, it is a, weirdly similar dynamic that leads to a very different conclusion because you know the right does this incredible job at mirroring and projecting and they're thereby kind of devaluing how people on the left feel or their lived experiences right the difference the right is angry because their leaders have made them afraid about things that they have no reason to be afraid of, like the caravans and, you know, we're coming for your guns and gay marriage is going to make you get divorced or whatever. And of course, meanwhile, the real villains are the people, the, you know, like the elected Republicans or people like the Duggars who are, you know, raping children. (laughs) You know, it's quite incredible. But, you know, and, and probably the only real fear that they they, that they stoke is the fear of uh, becoming the minority, which thankfully white people in this country are going to be in the not too distant future. And because white privilege has been made like the, the be all end all, and it's really how so many of these people get their sense of self-worth, that is a real fear. But f- fear feels terrible. So they, they turn it into anger and rage and um, as long as it's directed at the right people, mostly, you know, black and brown people, Democrats, Jews, Muslims, whatever, it's OK. And then I think when you when you are angry all the time about or at specific types of people, then cruelty against them becomes acceptable. So it's this that's the loop they're in mm-hmm. for us. You know, the fear is that we're losing our democracy. Yeah. You know, the fear is that rights are being taken away. The fear is that 
what's happening in Texas is going to happen everywhere. And women in America are going to be second class citizens who do not fully participate in this country because they're less than. So our fears, they're not just real, theoretically, they're actively unfolding. And for some reason, you know, because we're Democrats, I guess, anger doesn't work the same way. Like they, they like their anger because they know they love it when things demoralize us. It just strengthens them. They love chaos because it makes us exhausted or whatever. We, we kind of just want everything to be better. Mm-hmm. And there is, but when you keep banging your head against a wall, it's very difficult not to start feeling the rage. And again, in our case, like if I'm, I am so angry, like beyond expression at people who either because of guns or because they won't wear a fucking mask or they won't get a vaccine are putting my child at risk every day and everybody else I know, how can you not be angry? So it's, it's really tricky. Like how, how do you channel that? How do you somehow get to the other side of that? And my solution so far has been to, I ignore them. I can't change them. They're going to do what they're going to do. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to protect as many people as I can. And I'm going to focus on what we can do, what changes we can affect. And none of that includes them. None of it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as as you pointed out so poignantly in, in the book, The Reckoning, the your second book, that you have to face the atrocity in order to heal from it. And so I do take a good bit of hope in the fact that I don't know anybody personally or, or and I don't see on a, on a large basis that anyone but the very far right is trying to whitewash what happened on January 6th. I, I feel like people are still trying to hold that up and say it. We saw it on television. And I think that that direct confrontation and trying to uphold what actually happened that day. I mean, we can talk about going in back into the past of American history and, and facing our uh, our demons right. all day. But this specific one, I think there is a very great deal of righteous pushback on those who are trying to minimize what happened to democracy that day. And so I think that that's sort of the lighter note, maybe that 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 we can sort of ride into the end of our discussion. Yeah. And and, and I, I you're absolutely right. The the only slight caveat I would I would uh, add is that um, it's not the far right. It's mainstream republicanism at this point. It's uh, you're right. I apologize. No, no need Um, because it they were the far right five minutes ago. You know, now there are a hundred. Well, like ninety nine point nine percent of Republicans in the House Mm -hmm. and a hundred percent of Republicans in the Senate. It's terrifying. Yeah. And that's and that's just my lexicon for 99 percent of my life. The far right. That's been the far right. And now at the very last one percent, that is the mainstream Republican Party. And and as you as you pointed out on multiple occasions and your book, too, language is extremely important and we we need to be careful. Right. And that's why we can't use base in the same way. The Republican base, the Democratic base. No, 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 no. Because that makes it seem like they're equal maybe opposite, but, you know, we can't do that either. But in, in terms of, you know, keeping hold of some sanity, and I've said this many times, you've said this many times, but we need to keep saying it. There are so many more of us than are of them. 
And the more we remember that and the more we connect to other people and stop wasting our time on people who are totally cool with having America become an autocracy or, or you know, a fascist state, um, better off we're going to be. Let's focus on what we can do. Let's focus on the changes we can affect. And let's just make sure that we know that we have each other's backs. Yep. There's the fascists and then there's the rest of us. Right. Most of us are the rest of us. So. Thank you. Vera. And, you know, we might we might disagree on tax policy, but I think we can agree that fascism is bad. One would hope. At least one would hope. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much. And everybody, you have to download and subscribe to the Mary Trump show because that's what charts. Right. That's how we get into the charts. And that's how we knock the fascists off the list. That's how every time I out chart Hannity. I'm like, or InfoWars, I'm like, yes. So this That's it's subscribing right. on, on Apple Podcasts Hashtag that makes that happen. Get the fashions off the list. Yes. Yes. Get that and buy the book, too. The Reckoning, and Too Much and Never Enough. Just buy, buy all the books and, and listen to all the podcasts, everyone's. <laughs> Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. And uh, I, can, I just, I have to say, Sebastian in the background, adding the soundtrack to where you're like, and then further, and you go, you know, you in the background it's just the most amazing uh, uh it's just amazing i think he i think he knows what you're talking yeah, about yesterday was linden who it typically ignores me from the time i wake up to the time i go to bed <laughs> yesterday we just all through the recording of my podcast would not stop talking it was awesome mm. he's gonna host the next uh the next podcast excellent pod pets are my favorite pets so thank you and congratulations on your new show everybody Get the fascists off the list. Thank you so much. Merry Trump. Thanks, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's AG for the beans. How many hours do we spend inactive just sitting at our desks or on the couch watching TV? I spend a lot of time on my screens um, looking at news and getting information. And I can now turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and keep my joints going. And that's what I'm doing right now. Thanks to my new QB. QB, C-U-B-I-I. It's a compact elliptical unit that fits under your desk so you can pedal and get a workout while you're sitting at your computer. I'm using it right now while I'm recording this particular commercial and you can't hear it because QB is whisper quiet. It is super easy on your joints. It's very low impact. And a recent clinical study confirms it burns 84% more energy than just sitting there. And we all say, you know, I'd work out more if I had more time. Well, now you can. You can do two things at once and it's absolutely amazing. And it's also perfect for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs something to help improve circulation and keep active. I got one for my mom. She loves it. So if you have a parent or loved one who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB would be the perfect gift this holiday season. I love mine. I know you will too. Take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial and turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit QB.com slash beans to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's QB. Again, C-U-B-I-I dot com slash beans. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday. That means we're going to be joined by Amy Carrero. Hey, Amy. Hey, um, I'm wearing I just want everybody to know that I'm wearing 15 pimple patches on my face currently. <laughs> Can you see them? I do. I do see them. Oh, I yeah. Do. Oh, yeah. That's the they kind catch of the light. I know show. they just yeah, nice, just... like nice and glisten. It's, it's a, an early Christmas present from my face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, bitch. 
her some zits. <laughs> I haven't had zits in maybe five years, and they've all come to say hi now. So all at once, all at once. Then that's it. That's yeah. what's going on with me. What about you? I thought that I, you know, by the age of forty-eight, I would have zit clemency, but it's not true. No, that means that it's good though. That means you got oil, natural oils in your skin. We're still young. Yes, we are young. Heartache to heartache, <laughs> we stand. We stand. Ah, so uh, if you have good news, uh, corrections, confessions, pod pet picks, anything you want to send in, shit kids say, or if you want to have some dispute settled on on the docket in Amy's court, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I'm going to kick us off today with a, a submission from Kelly, pronouns she and her. On Thanksgiving Day, I was 69 days sober, and I'm grateful for each one of them. I know I will have challenges ahead, but I feel ready to face them with the support of my sober family, my sponsor, my therapist, and daily meetings. Thank you for bringing me news and laughter as I've returned to a life I truly love. That's awesome. Good job, Kelly. That's so so proud of you. For my pet tax, I'm including photos of my kitty, Gretchen C. Whitmer. (laughs) Gretchen Whitmer with a, a pumpkin I painted in rehab, playing in his rainbow tunnel. This is this is we're back to uh, Gretchen Whitmer now playing in his rainbow tunnel and eating homemade cucumber popsicle. Yes. The pumpkin is not playing in its rainbow tunnel. It's the it's Gretchen C. Whitmer. Gotcha. <laughs> the C is for cat in Gretchen C. Whitmer. Whitmer so no one is confused. I call him witty for oh. short. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that's a cool ass pumpkin. Pumpkin. Whoa. <laughs> I think the zits have like embedded in my brain. What a baby! Is that a snow cone on the bottom? It, it's yeah, it's a po- looks like, like a cucumber, po- a homemade oh, cucumber yeah, pop- popsicle. popsicle. She said it. Whoa, my brain is mashed potatoes. That's so rad. And then Kelly says many blessings to you and yours. You as well. This you baby as well. is adorable. And congratulations for you know sixty nine days is a lot of days, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Love so, it. and one day, one day is great. One and day so at 69 a time. Is, is 69 times better. 69. Nice. Nice. You know? uh, nice. I wonder if Kelly waited to send it in at 69 just to get the nice. Nice. I would have. Yeah, me too. I would have personally. All right. Who do we have next, Amy? Oh, is it my turn? We have mm-hmm. Grendel pronouns. He, him, or if you like, Hoovalu slash Hoovalai. Am I, I don't get that, but I'm sure somebody out there does. Okay. I think I've invented a swear that I'd like to see catch on as it's both offensive and biblically, biblically accurate. Jesus flipping tables, Christ. Ah. Mike, oh, is that? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Jesus flipping tables, Christ. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a good swear and you can say it like around kids, you know? I'm. I'm imagining Jesus just flipping the table at the Last Supper, you know, just, right? Like, uh, like in the um, like Real Housewives of whatever doesn't want them. I'm like flipping table, like Jesus has a New Jersey accent, like what the fuck? The real apostles of Nazareth. Yeah, I said sourdough. All right, I said sourdough, not brioche. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> my good news is that I am going to begin teaching my nephew to play drums after Christmas. Woo! He was born completely deaf, but hasn't let that shit stop him at all. He plays football, in parentheses, soccer, which is good. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. For us Americans, swings like a monkey, etc. Plus, he has two different colored eyes and is left-handed. I guarantee he would have been murdered by Puritans had he been born (laughs) in the past. That's probably true. Also, I have been adopted by the most cuddly cat in the world. 
She just showed up and jumped in my lap, so I named her Fuji, short for refugee. Did I say that right, Fuji? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's my news. No Lauren Hills here today. No Lauren Hills. No Lauren Hills. Wow. Look at this beautiful little boy. Boy, my God. What is that called? There's a name for two different colored eyes. I forget. Monochromatics. Hmm. That sounds two, right. Two, it's Bowie. Bowieism. David Bowieism. David Bowieism. Wow. What a beautiful cat. So cute. Oh, I like to just show up. Hi, Fuji. Yeah. Hi, Fuji. Looks like Himalayan or Burmese. Oh yeah, or it does, sort doesn't of... it? And the and the blanket is helping with the identity situation. Mm. So cute. Feels nice. All right, I'm gonna take the next two because this one's short from yeah. Barbara. Barbara says no pronouns. After ten years of working full time and taking one or two classes a semester, sometimes none. My daughter Victoria will be getting her degree in accounting. Whoa! I am so proud. She has worked so hard for this, and the best part: no student debt. Whoa, that's rad. That is a trudge. Well done. Well done. Marathon. Congratulations. Congratulations, Barbara. And uh, also to your daughter, Victoria. Awesome. Yes. And uh, from Anthony Aguilar, pronouns he and him. Greetings to the Daily Beans crew. I am a playwright. I have written once before back in 2020, speaking about the biased representation of Latino immigrants on film and television. Yep. I've been listening to the podcast for a few years now, and it's been amazing to see its growth from the kitchen days to a full-fledged network. It's been quite awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. I have been on a bit of a journey myself, as I'm proud to say, that my first published play is now available. Ooh. It's actually a musical and a punk rock adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood. Fuck yeah. Simply titled Little Red. Aww. In it, the trek to deliver the basket to grandma is a time-honored family tradition which pays tribute to Little Red's ancestors from co- first coming oh, to America. That's cool. Now it is Little Red's turn to deliver the basket, but it inconveniently happens on the same day. She has concert tickets to see her favorite punk band, (laughs) the Jack B. Nimbles. (laughs) (laughs) Little Red must then decide between traditional or actual fun. The music to Little Red is a nod to the classic punk sound I grew up listening to, The Clash, Ramones, Buzzcocks, and the like. And the show's music is composed by Grammy winner Quetzal. Oh my God. Quetzal Flores. That's... So rad. Woohoo. The play is available through Amazon by searching for Little Red and Anthony Aguilar. For those who do not wish to help fund the Bezos insecurity rocket. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned the giant space penis earlier with Mary Trump. Yeah. Twice in one day. It's it's a sign. Men always trying to. All right. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to fund the Bezos insecurity rocket, you can go directly to the publisher at youthplays.com and search for Little Red. There they can listen to a few of the show's demos as well. Cool. No pet tax today, but I've included a photo from a past production. So if any listeners are looking for something new to read or want to support an author of color, I would greatly appreciate you picking up a copy. Thanks for the support. And thanks to you, MSW Media, for the work that you do. Keep fighting the good fight. Look at this. This is awesome. So cool. Oh, my I gosh. I love her hair. I know. I'm like, wait, can you cast me as the girl? <laughs> Maybe I've aged out of it, although I do have pimples now. So, hey. <laughs> I'm still yeah. I can still play like, a high schooler. I can do 19. I can do yeah, 17. I can do 19. Probably. Anthony yeah. Aguilar, please cast me in the next production of Little Red. That's so <laughs> cool. I can't wait to I'm I'm actually gonna I, I would love to listen to a few demos. I think that would be so rad. Can you imagine just like writing a musical? Like having that be available to you as a skill? I was gonna do Breakfast Club the musical. I ha- I have some songs written. Whoa, really? Yeah, there's like one in there that's a little sort of like some 41 Rage Against the Machine. 
because you know in the library where they're sitting around yeah. and he's talking about how he couldn't make a lamp and uh, yeah. he's like, oh, you're a genius because you can't make a lamp. And he's like, would well, you know trigonometry? And he's like, fuck you. You know, they're just going yeah, yeah, back yeah, and yeah. forth. Oh, it's so good. And so the the song that I wrote is without trigonometry, there'd be no engineering without True. lamps. There'd be no light without trigonometry. There'd be no engineering without lamps. There'd be no light. And That's it just kind of so goes good. on from there. Wow. I've got a love ballad. What? Yeah. There's all sorts of all sorts of great songs in there. There's one about how uh, how Judd Nelson goes out for a basketball scholarship from the gym uh, scene. Just, you know. Wow. Okay. So you're one of, you're like Anthony. You can just fart out a musical because that's in your skill set. <laughs> I don't, what's that like? I truly would not be able to come up with any melody. Did you write the lyrics and then had someone write the music or you just did it all because that's who you are? Just did it all. But oh. like, I can't act. So what's it like to be able to act? You're a wonderful know. actress. Okay. It, thank you. That's, that's kind. It's, it's not the same. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if somebody, you know, if your life was threatened, anybody could put on an Academy Award performance. Not that my life is threatened, but I'm saying like anyone could learn to be a good actor or at least a passable actor. I think it's you have to have a certain skill set to be that kind of musical to create music, I should say. Mm. So very cool. All right. Next up, we got another Anthony pronounced he him. I have a complaint against my cat, Hermione, and I seek justice. Thus follows is my humble request to Amy's court. Dum dum. My cat Hermione, a full-blooded Maine Coon who is supposed to be snuggly all the time as per contracted Maine Coon requirements so assumed. However, this Maine Coon is only snuggly when she wants in my lap for the briefest of moments. Some background. I am a self-employed investment advisor and during quarantine put in a fully functional home office in my loft. Wow. So even now, I sometimes don't rush into my regular office and enjoy my coffee and make some calls. This is a nice, peaceful time of silence and solitude I find frequently essential to my mental well-being. Yes. Hmm. Hermione, henceforth referred to as the accused, <laughs> frequently disrupts a self-care routine to the detriment of said well-being. It would be fine if the accused would jump into my lap and settle down, but this she does not do. Late last night, the accused forced herself onto my lap via the chair sitting beside me, frequently banging her head on the scanner <laughs> on my desk, missing my lap, and sinking her claws into my leg all the way down. That hurt. Imagine trying to keep your cool on the phone with a client as a cat is hanging off your leg. No, I really can't. <laughs> I can. <laughs> would What if this was the accused only transgression? After ripping up my leg and falling to the floor, I clearly gave her the no sign, holding up my index finger authoritatively and resumed my phone call. Against my wishes, the accused, with much stealth, again attempted lap entry without my permission and succeeded. But that's not the worst part. The accused then proceeded to profusely drool in my lap. Don't forget, I'm still on the phone. Cringing at the drool now soaking through my pants, I reluctantly pet the accused, wishing she would just lay down when instead she was walking back and forth in my lap with her tail in my face, spreading drool to both my legs. This was perhaps a critical mistake. For something then triggered her to shake her head back and forth in the best imitation of a Newfoundland spraying drool over my face and phone. I seek damages to the tune of droolless cat snuggles. Mm. Right. This All is right. kind of an open and shut case, I think. It's an open and shut case, but maybe. Mm, OK, here's what I think. First of all, I know this from having a dog. I know cats are different. But when a dog is behaving in a way that you don't like. Don't pet it, no matter how cute it is, because then it's confusing. 
So I'm thinking you're giving this cat, you know, mixed signals because, you know, right? I don't know. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, no. the cat's, cats gonna, different cats are different. cats gonna drool cats gonna want pets or not and it's just right. we're at their whim we we're at their beck and call okay okay the best i think you can do in this situation is hope for droolist <laughs> cat snuggles really just pray um i wonder yeah. I, i'm not ready to give up on this situation what if d- tell me if this doesn't work with a cat but you know what if you trained the cat to like or, or figure out a way to Get the cat to sit on your lap. And the minute that the cat lies down or does something snuggly, give the cat a treat. Yeah, that, that could work? work. But what I would recommend is, is I believe there was mention of a chair next to oh, yeah, her chair. chair. Uh huh. Put a heating pad on that chair. Yes. Yes. It will attract the cat and the drool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can put the heating pad on your lap if you mm-hmm. want the snuggles. And that way it's it's a drool catcher as well. So... They should market heating pads as yeah. cat drool catchers. <laughs> I'm, you know, and listen, nowadays I bought a heating pad that my dog has stolen. And I feel like, you know, you know, it's it's the holidays. Maybe you can get a special two for one heating pad and then you can have one dedicated to the cat and the cat stroll and one, you know, to you if you want to heat up your feet on a cold night. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I love I love my heating pad. Yeah. I use it for multiple things. And it is a great lightning rod for cats like it's a it's a good decoy i love that so unless you want her on your lap and then like you said you can put the heating pad on your lap and it doubles as a drool catcher it's perfect yeah oh my god we love it i mean send us more problems maybe we can solve them yes case closed case closed (laughs) thank you so much it's been great to see you i know we only get to see you on fridays so it's good to see you my friend but i'll be seeing you uh soon nur Mm-hmm. Mm, or maybe more frequently when Dana's out of town. Yeah, Dana's going to be out of town. I think the week of the 19th through the 23rd, and you're going to be filling in a couple of those days. I'll be here. So. Um, very excited to spend the holidays at home. We can read some headlines with me. We don't yeah. get to do that too I often. Know, that'd be really fun. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. No, not tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. <laughs> until Sunday with uh. Muller, she wrote. And by the way, I'm going to have Joel Weinbanks on Muller She Wrote this weekend, who is just one of my sheroes. And you can also listen to MSW Book Club. We're going to be wrapping up, I think. I'm sorry. One of your sheroes or one of your sheras? One of my sheras. I apologize. No, you're the you're my only shira. Well, I I, okay. I I, all right. I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying. (laughs) I get all right. All right. All right. You touch it. You flip flip your heart. I get it. I get it. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very good. Miley Cyrus. Oh, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I really don't do any impressions, but like, I feel like that one's pretty good. Yeah. The, and the mouth, you get the mouth movements down. Thanks. You got it, girl. All right, everybody, until Sunday, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.